You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Russell takes the snap, steps up in the pocket, looks, has time. Now he's going to throw. Tyler Lockett looks for the ball. He's got it. Touchdown, Seahawks! Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. The handoff inside to Carson starts up the middle, now bounces it across the line. He's in. Touchdown, Seahawks! Powered by Seahawks.com. We are just getting you ready for Seahawks football. We are getting you ready for playoff football. Jed Mueller and John Boyle with you. And John, after a 12-4 and season, what do we know about this Seahawks team heading into the playoffs? For starters, we know they're confident. They've won six of seven. They, you know, they beat some good teams down the stretch. I know people want to look at different things, but the Rams are a good team. They beat them. They, you know, they've won some quality games. Their defense is playing great. And, you know, the offense maybe has a few kinks to work out, but has finished game strong, which is going to be really important in the postseason. So, yeah, just a, a lot of confidence in this team right now. I guess I was so excited to talk about where the Seahawks are going that I should have just kind of opened up with something a little bit more about you. John, I think we have just come to expect that the postseason is part of our year every year. Does it still mean as much to you personally now as the first time you covered a playoff game for the Hawks? Boy, you're asking me to remember things a decade ago. Actually, more technically, I covered playoff games in 2005, but that was another lifetime ago. So, uh, as an intern at the Seattle Times, but yeah, it's it's still special every time. I mean, obviously, the games mean so much, and you, it's when you, I, in a way, I think I appreciate it more being around it for this long because you, if you watch around the league, you see how rare it is to, to do what the Seahawks have done, which is to to keep getting back like they have. Well, and there's so many good playoff memories. I love the fact that every time we get to this part of the season, we can go back to different plays or matchups or games or excitement. And one of the things that you brought up with Pete Carroll this week was the Beast Quake run. And I'm not sure that I will ever get tired of talking about it. And I'm pretty sure Pete enjoyed talking about it this week too. Yeah, that, that was a breathtaking moment. It really was. It was, that's uh, why it's, it's so memorable and it, it's been a historic moment uh, and historic moment for, you know, our area and even the league too. I mean, nobody else could have made that run the way he made it and, and the way he finished it <laughs> than Marshawn. And uh, the, you know, I think that the exhilaration that came from that was also because we were up against, you know, odds and everybody had been, you know, chirping at us all, all, all the way through the prop, uh, the preparation for the, the, you know the playoffs and all of that, and world champs and all. I mean, everything was going. You know, it was just, it was just a, a moment in time that was kind of frozen. And uh, you know, I'm glad we we could capture it and see Hasselbeck try to lay a block downfield and, and all that kind of stuff. You know, it was it was pretty special. For for fans who've never seen it or heard it, the the press box in an NFL game is a pretty reserved, quiet place, which is different obviously than what's going on in the stadium but there's been a few moments i've seen where there are audible reactions not necessarily cheering but just reactions and that play was one of them where it's just the the gasps the disbelief just it, even you know the the hardened journalists who've been doing it forever didn't believe what they were seeing then and yeah it was as pete said just such a amazing crazy play marshawn made and great capper to what was just a really good game the back and forth the the underdog angle of it. And I, I do think Marshawn's run overshadowed a great performance by Matt Hasselbeck in his final home game a little bit, but yeah, there's, 
there's so much there and a shameless plug here. We're going to be reliving a lot of that on Seahawks.com later this week. So people can find that there, but yeah, just, it was, it was a very special moment to, to be there live and see that and feel the stadium shaking. So I have talked to both Matt Hasselbeck and Marshawn Lynch recently. And Marshawn said that every time he watches that play, the thing he notices most is the team effort and not just Matt blocking downfield, but the fact that an offensive lineman beat him into the end zone and that it took everybody along the way to make that play happen. The celebration, he said, that was God inspired in the moment. And the ball from that play actually ended up with Matt Hasselbeck because somebody knew that it was going to be his final game. There was kind of some rumors and some rumblings. So he gave it to his daughter, Mallory, and it was somewhere in her bedroom for years and so they've been trying to locate this football because everybody keeps asking where is the football from the beast quake and matt hasselbeck and mallory have it somewhere well and it's because marshawn wanted to he wanted to take that ball all out and finish a game with it so that that last drive that's the ball on the field matt takes a knee everybody swarms the field and if you go back and watch the post game you know he's doing his post game interview still holding the football he had no idea it was that ball at the right. time walks off the field his kids have it and Years later, Marshawn admits to NFL Films that he doesn't have the ball, and Matt's like, oh, I might have that. Yeah, it was pretty funny. I will also say, I remember going to dinner with my husband after that game, and of course, they're showing highlights of this play everywhere, and we were sitting at a bar top, and the bartender kept turning to my husband and asking him what he thought about that play. He did not know that my husband had turned off the game at that point in time because he didn't anticipate the comeback. And every time I tried to say something, I I didn't even tell him that I was on the sidelines running down the sidelines. The bartender wanted nothing to do with my comments about the game. It's one of the few times I did not leave a nice (laughs) tip for a bartender. I was so irritated, but I digress. It is one of the great plays in Seahawks playoff history. It is also an example of a great explosive play for a Seahawks offense that is something that we have not seen in the last few weeks john is that a concern or do we not care how the yards and how the points get scored first off that was a great segue but secondly (laughs) uh yes and no i i mean there's a reason pete carroll's always made such a big deal out of explosives it's it's the numbers back it up that when you have just one explosive play in a drive your odds of scoring go way up so it is harder to score when you do that. Uh, I do think it's, you know, you have to take it a little bit with the defenses they've been playing and the focus has gotten back a little bit more to taking care of the football. We've talked about it over and over again. This team's unbeaten this year when they don't turn the ball over or they turn it over once they're 0-4 with multiple turnovers. So if you tell me right now that I can trade, you know, a few explosive plays for not turning the ball over, I'll take that. But I think at some point in this postseason, whether it's this week or if you're going to go on a run and play maybe more prolific offenses, yeah, you're going to have to get back to hitting some of those big plays. Now, let me ask you this. Do you care how those explosive plays come to be? Because we know that teams have taken away a lot of those deep shots that Russell likes to take. Do you care if those explosives come to a wide receiver or if it is Chris Carson or Rashad Penny or Carlos Hyde breaking one late in the third quarter into the fourth quarter? No, and that's a really good point. I think most people think explosives and they think the 40-yard bomb to DK Metcalf, which, don't get me wrong, those are awesome. But 
the way they look at an explosive, what, what the numbers over history have shown is you have the one 12 yard run or one 16 yard pass. That's how they define explosive. That one play in a drive is where the odds of scoring go up quite a bit. So yeah, you're right. If teams are playing really deep two safety looks and you can hit a 20 yarder on a little crosser or dump it off to Chris Carson, or that will dump off. We saw it a hide a couple weeks ago. Those plays count too. Those are explosive. And I will take those. You give me 10 of those kind of explosives and you can't hit the deep ball. That's fine. Well, and what does that mean when you're going against the top ranked defense in the league this week, the Rams finished number one in three defensive categories. One of those is points per game. The other is yards allowed. And then it's passing yards allowed. They've allowed less than 200 yards of passing all season long, no 300 yard passers. So do the expectations shift a little bit knowing this style of Rams defense? For sure. I mean, you can't go attack a defense like the Rams, like you might a defense that doesn't play good pass defense and ranks 30th in the league or whatever and is is has a tendency to give up big plays if you get too greedy against that good of a defense and guys like Jalen Ramsey they're gonna make you pay for it so look I'd, I'd much rather see the second half version of the Seahawks than the first half if you're talking about the last Rams game where that first half was a real struggle and then they go out and score two touchdowns you don't need to again chuck it downfield all day but I'd like to see one way or another a few more big plays and maybe a few more scoring drives in the first half. Speaking of Jalen Ramsey. Yes. There's been some conversation this week, I think originating in the Rams locker room on how Jalen wanted more of a shot against DK in that matchup a couple of weeks ago. If you remember the Seahawks were moving DK all over the field. Now that is not brand new. He's been moving all over the field since the playoffs last year. Sometimes you'll see him line up in the slot. We've seen him do a whole bunch of different things. What do you make of those comments and Jalen being upset he did not get more of a shot against DK? I mean, look, I get he's a competitor and wants to go against the best, but if your problem is them moving him around and you're not getting to cover him, go talk to your defensive coordinator and tell him you want to play more man defense because they were playing a lot of zone in that game. The Seahawks recognize it. Look, it's a smart move. He is a really dang good cornerback and if you can motion one of your best receivers away from him and get more favorable coverage, then do it. And we saw, especially in the second half, that worked pretty well. DK didn't have a huge game, but he had the six catches. Three of them were third down conversions. So yeah, like it's, you know, look, these guys are all competitors. We know we've seen it from playing CX players. They love to manufacture a, a slight or a chip on their shoulder if they can. So I don't, I don't blame anybody in the Rams for saying what they're saying, but I don't think it's going to be a huge factor. Well, and we know that you're not going to change the identity of a team, even though these teams just matched up a couple of weeks ago. They've got a lot of familiarity. Quite honestly, the Rams have had the Seahawks numbers more the Seahawks number more often than not. But here's what you can do. Bring a couple pieces back that were not healthy a couple of weeks ago. That offensive line gets a little bit of an upgrade this week. Both those guys have been solid uh, performers for us. Uh, they have the most experience of the, over the guys that have been playing. Um, that should help the guys next to them. Um, both those guys are starters for a reason. And uh, so we're happy to have them back. It looks great to see those guys in the huddle. And they, he was talking about Mikey Potty and Brandon Shell, neither of whom played a couple of weeks ago. We haven't seen Brandon Shell out there a lot. We haven't talked about him a lot this year, which is the sign of a really good right tackle. 
obviously that gives Russell Wilson a little bit more confidence. Does that change anything else though? I mean, for starters, like you said, just the confidence of having all those guys, they've really only played, I think five games together, the whole line they, they want to have. So it, it changes there. But to me, the big thing that also always changes is it makes your depth better. And it, it's the same thing people talk about with, you know, the, with Trey flowers being back and where do you put them? Like, look, everybody wants to play and it'd be great if you can find opportunities. But when you have guys, you feel like are starting caliber players with, with the way Cedric Abui has played with the way George Simmons played. Well, now did I pronounce that wrong? Sorry. Help me out, Jen. You're the Abwehi. radio boy. Abwehi. The I way was, Cedric Abwehi has Abwehi. played. I should. This is why I'm a writer and not a radio personality. To be fair, I could not spell it if you asked me to. See? I would I spell can. it phonetically. Well, there you go. See? We, we balance each other out. <laughs> Anywho. Yeah. When you have those guys getting that playing time and that experience, now you're just that much deeper and better going into the playoffs if should you need to call them that depth? Well, and I think we're seeing that play out exactly where you just mentioned in the secondary. Jamal Adams, we're probably not going to know his status until game day on Saturday. So it's nice to have not only some extra DBs back there, but it's really nice that Ryan Neal got a significant amount of playing time earlier when Jamal was hurt. Yeah, we have a lot of confidence in Ryan because of the way he played and, and, and what he does. This is this he showed us. You know, he showed us he plays really hard. He's tough. He's a playmaker. Um, he's very aggressive in his style of play. Uh, and the position that he's playing and the makeup of that spot, you know, when he comes off the bench to play for Jamal, um, you know, you, you saw us last week. He came in. He was he was pressuring right off the bat because that's what we think of him. We think of him in the same mold. Um, so uh, he'll be ready to go if we need him, and and uh, we'll be happy to play him. We, he's he had like you said, he had a really good you know statement that he was able to make in the games he played, and and uh, we're happy to have him out there. Now, first of all, I have a hard time believing, and I would not count out Jamal Adams for Saturday's game. He's getting his first chance at the playoffs. We know how excited he is for that. We also know the Seahawks are going to be really careful with him. It is a shoulder injury. It is not the same shoulder that he injured earlier in the year. So I guess that's good news. It, it, it seems like it might be easier to rebound from that. But I don't think there's any panic in that room at all if Ryan Neal needs to go out and play. And quite honestly, I don't know if you need the pass rushing ability of Jamal the same way you would in the previous matchup, given the questions the Rams have at quarterback. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, if they can have Jamal out there, you know he's going to do everything in his power to be out there. And I would guess ultimately if he can't play that decision won't come down to him but yeah you would love to have him out there and what he brings but between what they've seen out of ryan neal the confidence they have in him and also just the way the pass rush has gotten better their four-man pass rush is a lot more productive than it was earlier this year i think you're built better to weather his absence now than you were before but again they would love to have him he's gonna fight like crazy to get out there and Unfortunately, we're probably going to have to wait till uh, 90 minutes for kickoff to know for sure. Well, and we're going to have to wait until kickoff to know which Rams quarterback is playing. Jared Goff dislocated and broke his thumb two weeks ago against the Rams. The following day, he had surgery. Right now, he is participating in practice for the Rams. He has been taking snaps. He has been throwing. But Sean McVay is going to keep that pretty close to the vest until game day, meaning the Seahawks need to prepare for Goff, and they need to prepare for John Walford. If you have not heard of him, I don't blame you. He made his first NFL start last week. Here's what Pete Carroll knows about him. 
uh, he had a really good game, and uh, and to, to bounce back from his first throw he, he makes, you know, gets picked off, and and he bounced right back and and uh, and had a really winning football game, and I'm sure they're just really excited about it. And they didn't they didn't protect him to you know and be safe with him at all. He threw the ball over the yard and, and made some big throws down the field and spread the formations and all that. Um, it was really impressive. And he ran well too, and so. Uh, I can see that if that's the way they're going, that they would have a high level of excitement about you know, his ability to throw together another good game. He did really well. That is Pete Carroll previewing John Walford, the rookie who made a start last week. Join us each Thursday from noon to two for the huddle hosted by Jake and Stacy, along with Seahawks color analyst Dave Wyman. It's your chance to hear directly from Seahawks players as they prepare for Sunday and preview the game ahead with the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel, and our very own John Boyle. Whoop, whoop. Okay, what do we know for that, Jen. about Walford? Because I have read some things. I saw the highlights. Look, one game is not a large enough sample size, but what do we think we know about him? I mean, obviously, he's kind of an unknown quantity, which sometimes can help an offense if they, teams don't know what they're getting. And we saw, you know, he did some good things. He, you know, he wasn't perfect by any means, but for a guy, to, it shows you something about kind of a guy's makeup to step into that moment and play pretty well that, you know, he's never started an NFL game and now he's being asked to go win a game they need to get into the postseason. So he played well. To me, the biggest thing that stands out compared to golf is he's going to be able to beat you with your legs if you let him. And, you know, we saw uh, the CX had a great job covering up a lot of the the bootlegs or rollouts that the Rams love to do. And when Jared Goff does that, if everything's covered and he decides to run, it was three yards and out of bounds, three yards and out of bounds you're going to have to play it a little differently with John Wolford because if he takes off and runs, he's a much more legitimate threat. Well, but so I I think there had been some uh, patterns that had emerged, like you were just talking about with Goff. In reading stories coming out of the LA area, they're saying that it doesn't get any better with Wolford. Yes, there is an element of the unknown, and yes, he can take off and run. But if you go back and look at his plays from Sunday, almost all of them were out of shotgun. He did not pick up any yards throwing the ball when he was under center. And when you do that and you take away that part, A, it allows the defense to know what's coming. B, it takes away the running backs in a different way. that They weren't getting a whole lot going. And that's saying something considering that Cam Akers is back and could be a problem if they can figure out how to balance this out a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Cam Akers, Seahawks didn't see him last time for, for those who haven't been watching all the Rams. He's a, a rookie running back for them who took over the starting job midway through the year and has played very well. So if they can get him going, that's a nice element for them to add that again, wasn't there in week 16, but you're right. Their deep, their offense is a little different with, with Walford and the Seahawks are just going to have to spend all week preparing for two guys. And it, you know, their offense won't be completely changed, but you are going to have to be able to adjust depending on who they throw at you. Well, and you've got so much familiarity. I mean, look, you know what Sean McVay wants to do. You have seen what Staley has done as the defensive coordinator. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of surprises. So it's not like you're playing a team that you haven't faced already this season. I I think that makes the preparation a little bit easier. Yeah, if this were a team you hadn't played in three years and you also didn't know who their quarterback was, that, that does change things versus someone you see twice a year. Which means this should be easier for us to identify two things that need to happen on Saturday for the Seahawks to win in advance. Uh, no, 
<laughs> um, two things that I want to see happen. I don't care who the quarterback is, whether it's the new guy or the guy coming off a thumb injury. I want to see him under pressure. That was something the CX did really well against Jared Goff two weeks ago. They, they pressured him a lot. They, they didn't sack him a ton. They had three sacks, but they, they hit him. They forced him to throw the ball away, including one that he threw away right to Quandre Diggs. So I want to see more of that, more of that pressure. And then other side of the ball, I want to see, we just talked about that DK Metcalf, Jalen Ramsey. I want to see him get going again. It doesn't need to be the 40 yard bombs. It doesn't need to be something crazy, but just get him involved early. Let the ball find him. Let's say, get him seven or more catches. I got to say, I'm excited to see DK. He has been working on some new releases and some new moves off the line. And they, I realize it's only practice. Ooh, I cannot wait to see those in a game. Okay, my two things that need to happen. I know that this is counter to a Seahawks philosophy. I want to see a touchdown in the first half. That has not happened very often in playoff games for the Seahawks. We have not seen that happen very often in the final six regular season games. And while I realize you cannot win a game in the first or second quarter, I also know that the Rams defense has been very good at keeping opponents out of the end zone in the second half. They allowed just eight second half touchdowns this year. Now the Seahawks did have two of those in that game a couple of weeks ago, but you really don't want this one to go down. Down to the wire and be playing catch up against this defense. So that's number one. And I'm going to take the scoring on the other side of this. The Rams are 34 and 0 when they've led at halftime under Sean McVay. So however you do that, uh, I, I would like to see you. And this sounds really ridiculous, but playing from ahead against this defense is going to give you such an advantage. So stay on schedule and play from ahead so that you're not allowing those guys to tee off up front. That's what I would have to say. I like it. All right. Well, either way, we are going to be talking to you again next week. Hopefully we will be previewing another playoff matchup. But until then, make sure that you tune in to the Seahawks game on Saturday. Check in with us next week. 